Good afternoon and welcome to American Heritage, baby. My name is Ed Bondarenka. My pronouns are we and the people. And I am not your normal fluffy insurrectionist. And producing the show and the guy that answers your calls and tells me when to shut up is the Swiss Army Knife of Radio, Derek Stone. Derek hosts Stone Cold Sports Truth Sundays at noon 30, right after my friend Sean Todd hosts The Intersection at noon. You know, that's uh, not your normal fluffy Christian show. So you should listen to both of them, and not to mention the entire Saturday lineup, including Abolitionist Roundtable at 9 a.m., Trigger Talk at 11, and Moment of Clarity right before this show. And if you missed any, go to the podcast page at whamradio.com to catch up or share with your friends and boost the signal. That's a phrase I learned from a friend of mine who we're about to interview. Your American Heritage is on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, and you can subscribe. It's the least you can do, except for doing nothing at all. So, it's day 773 of the coup, the theft of the American government by enemies, both foreign and mostly domestic. So, let's look at the record. I mentioned over a couple years ago how to short sell the American dollar. Mortgage your house, take the money you borrowed, buy gold or real estate. When inflation hits, sell some of the real estate or precious metals, and with the profit, pay off your mortgage in inflated dollars. The rest of the gold or real estate are yours to keep. Is that why Bill Gates bought all that farmland and profited by Joe Biden crashing the economy? Was there a plan behind this? And then a phony baloney COVID scare was used to lock you down and drive small businesses, which are normally owned by conservatives, into the dirt? to take your freedoms and steal your votes with garbage barrels replacing polling places. Hey, that's kind of ironic, huh? Garbage barrels replacing polling places. And to spend billions defending the Ukraine, the source of wealth for the Biden family, but not America, to allow millions of foreign workers to traipse into the country and drive labor costs. That's your wages into the ground. And back to that vote theft. Liberal cities are giving these illegals voting rights to vote for them to force your children to be exposed to sexual perverts by their authority figures, which are the teachers and librarians in the schools they're forced to go to. We are under attack daily. These people want to take away your rights, your privileges, and your heritage. They want your children and will do anything to separate them from you, your heritage. This country is being stolen. Are you upset yet? It's interesting that the man destroying our country and damaging our constitution is protected by our men who swore to defend both. You do realize they are waging war on you, right? There was a famous essay by Emile Zola, a Frenchman, denouncing the corruption in his native France called J'accuse, which is French for I accuse. I wanted to open the show with a litany of the offenses this regime has committed against us, but I don't have that kind of time. It's only a one hour show and I have a guest I wanna to talk to. So call it I accuse, but are you aware of this stuff? And if you aren't, please pay attention. Who can we turn to? Matthew 21, 21, Jesus answered and said to them, assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. Psalm 144 says, blessed be the Lord my rock who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. So please clasp your hands and your fingers together and let's pray. Let's go to war. Father, please protect our nation and our state from these evil tyrants. Please deliver us from these ungodly oppressors and please remove them and cast them into the sea. And like that fig tree that did not produce good fruit in good season, have them wither and be gone when we next look. 
Please reveal their intent to our neighbors and alert our fellow citizens to the danger we find ourselves in. Please lead and guide the American people in the days to come in resistance to the efforts of these oppressors. And please give us righteous representatives in government. And please restore goodness and morality to the governance of our nation and our state. Amen. So before we introduce our guest today, I'd like to play an audio clip for you, okay? This is, this is, I picked this up off of uh, Conservative Daily Podcast. It's a video they played, and uh, I only got to listen to it, but that's good enough. You get to listen to it too. When I was 16, I went into what I thought was going to be a normal day at biology class. And when I walked in, all the desks were arranged in a circle in the middle of the room. And the instructor, who had always been a really amazing, loving, kind instructor, was super militant, super scary, and just looked at us and said, sit down, shut up. You are not allowed to move, to speak at all, and anyone who does will immediately fail my class. And we were all stunned. I I get like, just thinking about it, because I was a straight A student and grades were really important to me, and I was just like terrified. So we're all sitting there silently, nervous out of our minds. And in the middle of this circle that we were all sitting in, there was one desk. And on this desk was a bowl with a goldfish in it. And he looked at us and he took the goldfish and he put it on the desk and he walked out and he shut the door. And we all just, looked at each other just like what do we do you know like obviously it violated like everything inside of me to like watch this fish die and also i heard the instruction if you speak if you get up if you move you will automatically fail the class and so we all sat there looking to each other to do something because we didn't want it to be us and what was a very painful it felt like an eternity it was probably like two and a half minutes later hannah hannah b got up and said this and took the goldfish and put it back in the bowl and when she did that he came out and he looked at all of us and he said look what the world has done to you you've betrayed yourself for what and i think about that lesson all the time because I learned in that moment that I am never going to be that person ever again. That when I see something that is wrong, even if it's just me, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to do what's right. And I've done that over and over again in my life in very scary situations. But I'm sad for people who haven't learned that lesson because there are so many things that are wrong that if you're too scared to make a difference, you won't make right. Exactly. Make a difference. I know some missionaries, their motto is live dead. Live dead. They go to countries, they go to places, let's just say Muslim countries. They live as if they're already dead. And when you're a Christian, you get that privilege. You, you To leave here is a much, but you're no, no hurry to get out but you're in a much better place when you get there. So you have no fear of death. You might have some fear of pain in the transition of getting to death, but really 
you may feel bad about leaving those behind. But, you know, I was watching Band of Brothers. It's been 20 years since that came out, Jim. And uh, I was watching Band of Brothers. And one of the uh, lieutenants says to one of the soldiers, you know what the secret is? Just realize you're already dead. And it's, it's, it's true. You can't be brave unless you just count it all loss. That's, and so when you come up against injustice, when you come up to somebody that's, a, that's talking nonsense in your face, when you come against a system that wants to, to sexualize your children into, into pederasty and, and, and worse, that, that want to steal your country away from you, be brave, speak up, talk, and don't be afraid. Having said that, I'm talking to a guy who has shown his bravery a number of times. Now, that's not the focus of the show, but uh, Jim Curtis is an author and he's a Navy veteran. He actually would regularly get up and fly in an airplane that went places that, you know, begged to be shot at. Um, Jim, you flew in a P-3, right? That's correct. P-3 Orion. Exactly. And one of those got forced down over China, right? And the crew got taken away, right? Uh, Well, forced down is one word for it. Uh, What happened was a Chinese pilot whose call sign was Wong Wei, believe it (laughs) or not, actually hit the aircraft and uh, caused some major damage. He was killed in the crash. The airplane continued to fly. And the pilot made what many of us do not agree with, and that was a decision to land on Chinese mainland, on Hainan Island. He did so. The airplane was a special missions airplane. So the Chinese got quite a bit of intelligence from that airplane. And then uh, we actually had to go out and disassemble the airplane and fly it out on a Russian, two Russian AN-124s. That airplane has been returned to service and is currently flying for the U.S. Navy today. Amazing. Just, just, just amazing. So, folks, you were just now listening to Jim Curtis. Let me tell you a little bit about Jim Curtis. Uh, let's see now. He's an author. He's a blogger, retired naval flying officer. And he blogs at oldnfo.org, which is where he came to my attention many years ago. And he and some of his friends are regularly at uh, North Texas Troublemakers at YouTube. And uh, he's the author of the Gray Man series, which is a really good set of books. If you like, uh, oh, if you like books about people who stand up for themselves and others around them, especially older people who uh, are are being messed with by people that don't realize you don't mess with the older people because, you know, they they have they know some things. And uh, he's written a, a series of books that I'm begging him to. He says he's going to keep doing it called the bell chronicles and uh one of those was what's the name of a rifle uh what's what's the one first book that's really not in that a rifle uh rifle a pistol and a good horse yeah that's a great book that's a really good book and um so the series set in the old west and he's also written a sci-fi series called Rimworld. if you like that he's been in a number of anthologies and one of them was uh, Cal Exit, which uh, Gary Wellings and I had him on the drift years ago to talk about uh, the concept of California leaving the Union, which was seemed like a concept at the time. One of the things that I was aware that Jim did in writing some of these Westerns was that he was getting very meticulous about 
researching the guns that were used. And so he got the details down because he really does know what he's writing about when he writes. And, uh, and I think you find it. Well, I don't think you've been on any space flights. So when 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 you're doing your science no. fiction, that's that's a little bit, you know, not as well researched, I take it. <laughs> well, different perspectives. I do have friends that I can reach out to who have done that. So mm. uh, good. Good to have friends. Yeah. So why don't you tell us about your background then? Like, where are you from? You know, what have you done in life that you can talk about in public? And then, you know, what you're doing now? Well, I'm just a dumb old country boy from Louisiana. And uh, <laughs> shall we say, I have some interesting experiences, uh, many of which I literally cannot talk about with what I've done. But uh, the biggest thing I think is what started me writing, which was the frustration with not only books, but movies where the guns were right and the protagonists were always perfect. They never made a mistake. And that frustrated me because that's not reality. And I've dealt with reality all my life and taking responsibility for what I do and what I've done, which is something else you don't see these days. Yeah, you know, you know how to say, I'm sorry, right? Exactly. So that led into writing The Gray Man because the characters aren't perfect, but the guns are right. <laughs> There's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. But part of that, too, is the fact I've been shooting for over 60 years. And all that's taught me is that for what little I know about guns, when I do a book, I need to do the research. So that leads you down a whole different rat hole because once you start doing research, there are so many different ways to go. And there again, being able to reach out to friends and also to museums. And we have a great one up in Amarillo called Panhandle Plains. It's one of the best museums in the United States for Old West, for guns, for clothing, and the way life was back in the 1800s. And then going and walking the ground at Tascosa and Mobiti, Texas. Those were big towns back during the cattle rush. I live near Wichita Falls, which a lot of people think Fort Wichita was actually in Wichita Falls. It's not. Fort Wichita is actually where Fort Sill is today. Oh, okay. So little things like that. Uh, you talk about rifle, pistol, and good horse. That whole uh, short story or novella came about from research I was doing for the first book in the Braille Chronicles. That statement was a requirement to be a Texas Ranger in the 1860s. They had to have a rifle, they had to have a pistol, and they had to have a good horse. Yeah. So that level of detail. And then you get into things like uh, in the first, <coughs> excuse me, first Bell Chronicles, he goes up to Georgetown, Colorado, trying to find out who the madam was in Georgetown, Colorado in 1860 or 1870. 
was, I kid you not, about six and a half hours of research. But she does exist, did exist. Huh, that's interesting. Who did, why did people think you wanted to know? Were you like, was, was there any, are you looking for your great grandma? <laughs> <laughs> because I have a reputation, thanks to the Gray Man series, for being accurate with what I portray in the books. Yeah, yeah. I'm, and of I, course, for instance, in, go ahead. We have a group here locally that is a bunch of artists, writers, and other uh, artistic types that also hold my feet to the fire on a regular basis. So I catch more crap from them than I do from the readers, although some of the readers do tend to check up on me on occasion. It's, it's like you have an artist colony there that are not a bunch of hippies, but the exact opposite, right? Yes, that is literally what it is. It's a bunch of people that know what they're doing. They're experts in their fields, but they're also writers, they're artists. Uh, a lot of the book covers that you see are coming out of our group. Uh, we have a small press that started down here because what we're trying to do is to raise all boats for the authors, especially the independent authors. You know, but uh, I wanted to go back one thing you were talking about earlier, and that's the Second Amendment. Please do. Uh, my good friend Larry Correa just put out uh, a couple oh, of months me. ago. We had your good friend Larry Correa on here maybe three weeks ago, and I appreciate you for putting me in touch with him. But thank you. Yeah. But Larry, I've known Larry for 20 years. Uh, we were all. He, dis he disavows you totally. He said, I don't know that guy. So I, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that does not surprise me. But In Defense of the Second Amendment is a book that Larry put together. It's nonfiction. And I just wanted to read a, just a, a little snippet out of here because it ties back to what you were talking about earlier. And it stopped the social contagion. Not all mass killers are the same. Some are ideologically driven. Some have a political or religious motive. They're terrorists on a mission. Others are just delusional and bug nuts crazy. But no motivation for any sane person can make sense of. And he goes on to take a paragraph or two to talk about it. And then he says, the solution is easy. It's right there in front of your nose. Your entire life you've been taught, taught, that if you can kill enough people at one time, your picture will be plastered all over TV, the internet, 24-7 round-the-clock coverage. You'll become the most famous person in the world. Everybody will know your name. And then he goes on to state, and this, this is the key point, our news media directly contributes to and cultivates mass killers. And they do. You know, as you alluded to earlier. That's very scary, yeah. You know, uh, I'm wondering if it was Larry I was talking about the movie uh, Run, Hide, Fight about, but uh, I know it's mentioned it to somebody on air recently. And it's interesting that uh, the protagonist, uh, not, well, the antagonist, I suppose, the, the bad guy, the teenager who's holding the school hostage, he's basically going for a count. And he's, he's uh, wants everybody to point their phones at him and put him on social media. It's the whole, oh, yeah. uh, it's the whole 
point of his exercise is to, to rack one up. And, and although he doesn't say it, he implies that he wants to get the biggest numbers so far and uh, uh, of any mass killing of that sort, you know? Right. Just, I guess if you can't excel at uh, trig, maybe you just go for mass killing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Some of them they do, yes. But that, that brings up a point about writing, too, in that uh, I'm sure you're aware of what's gone on with Raoul Dahl's books, oh. where Puffin had gone back and tried to clarify uh, the writings of Raoul Dahl. If, if I may, Raoul Dahl is famous for having written, uh, I think he's called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the, yes. the Willy Wonka book, and, and a number of other, uh, uh, the Big Peach, and um, you name some because it's, it's, I'm drawing a blank. But Raoul Dahl, is, and he was a veteran too, wasn't he? An American yes. fighting man in World War II, also a hero. And besides having been married to the actress, I can't remember her name now. Uh, regardless, and I just drew a blank. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I could see her face too, you know. But regardless, the guy's a, a, a classic, classic artist, uh, a novelist, and an author. And go ahead, tell us what he did. What happened to his? Well, they went back. They were trying to fix quote unquote his descriptions of people in the books. Puffin was the one that started that, and then the EU. Uh, publishers in EU that published Raoul Dahl's books basically said pound sand in a rat hole. Well, the latest I heard earlier this week is they're now trying to come after Ian Fleming's books, the Bond series. Raoul Dahl was married to Patricia Neal. Thank you, sir. Yeah, that's that's the Swiss knife of, of radio, Derek Stone. Thank you. But now they're trying to come after Ian Fleming. <laughs> and clean up some of the some of like uh, the stereotypes of uh, odd job, or, or yes, some of the women being one of them. The objectification yeah. of some of the women involved. Yep. Oh man, and that's where you know we as authors today, and I say we as a group, a lot of the indie authors that I know and that I associate with, we don't use. Uh, what they call sensitivity readers. Okay. That's actually a thing where they will pay these people to read the book and anything that upsets their sensitivities has to be changed. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. And, and we've got a minute left before the commercial break. So it's like 30 seconds before the music. So normally I just, you know, talk and talk and talk and say nothing to kill time. But regardless, uh, I want to talk about this when we come back with our, our, our guest, Jim Curtis, about this uh, cleansing of the uh, uh, works of <laughs> dead authors who cannot protect them, their name or their works. So uh, folks, Come on back after the break, your American Heritage second segment with Jim Curtis and myself. Thank you.
Yes, sorry, folks. Turn up the radio. Thanks for returning to your American heritage, baby. Thanks, Theron. I'm your host, Ed Bonrinka, and joining me is Jim Curtis, otherwise known uh, Nom Day. What do you call a Nom Day writer? Nom Day writer. Yeah, Nom de Plume. Thank you. Uh, J.L. Curtis. And his books are available on Amazon. They're all listed there. The anthologies, Bell Chronicles, uh, the, the Gray Man. I highly recommend The Gray Man. He'll be hooked on the first one. And um, so, yeah, everything's there. And like I said, he blogs at, uh, at uh, oldnfo.org, not com, org. And Jim, you want to give a shout out to a group you're part of. Why don't you do that right now? We'll get that out of the way. Okay. Actually, it's uh, two groups. One is... Oh, well, uh, go ahead. <laughs> Writer's Dojo, which is Larry Correa and Steve Diamond's uh, podcast. And they talk about the basis of writing and the business of writing for independent authors. Excellent, and it's free. It's available online on Apple, you know, da-da-da-da-da. Mm -hmm. And then we have our group here called North Texas Troublemakers, which uh, is our little writer's group. And we do have a YouTube channel and a Facebook presence. And we're trying to also put out information that can assist young writers that are just starting out. Because we don't want new writers to make the same mistakes that we made. You know, we were dumb enough to make them the first time. There's no need to redo that. You know, and also yeah. give advice to the authors especially things to not do. Uh, don't use vanity presses. You know, they're a ripoff. How to, how to be smart in your writing. That's good. And People also can learn from that. Yeah. And also, uh, we've got some kind of YouTube training tapes up there. I did one on the military. It's not monolithic. We got one, believe it or not, on underwear. They're talking about research. Uh, we've got oh, one on guns. Yeah. So those are available for new writers, too. Because what we want to do is to, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats. And that gets into why we do anthologies. Uh, you talked earlier about Cal Exit. That was one that I put together quite a few years ago. Because we were just taking a look at what what could go on? And it was literally a discussion at a writer's convention. A what if discussion. And people said, yeah, I could do a story in that. So that ended up being the anthology. And we've done a few more since. Uh, uh, we've just got, just had one come out earlier this week, uh, or last Friday, I should say, called Space Cowboys. Yes, yes. And it has a number of new authors in it. But what it does is it gets people in front of readers. And, you know, what you want to do is you want to have more eyes on your books. Well, one of the ways you get that is to get into an anthology. People may like one particular author, but they read the anthology and go, yeah, yeah this guy isn't actually bad. Maybe I'll take a look at what he's doing. But it's yep. things like that that lift all boats. That's introduced me to a number of number of authors. Like, well, you know, I, I I read it for one, and then 
you know, I read, you know, well, I paid the money. I might as well read some of the others. And go, hey, I like this too. And yeah. then you get hooked. It's almost like first one's free when I sold drugs. But that's a whole <laughs> different story. You know, you mentioned North Texas, oh, and I was just reminded. Anybody. Yeah. <laughs> when I was just reminded that uh, when you moved back from Virginia to uh, Texas, you took uh, Route 66, right? Is yeah. that right? You took the scenic route. And then you talked about a fishing camp you visited. And um, you talked about it on your blog and how you were sad to see that it was closed. It was where you went. And and I, I commented on there about how I uh, visited a fishing camp with my mom. And I had much trepidation because she wanted to take me to the old Pelican Lodge in uh, Vivian, Louisiana, where she was living at the time and doing yep. real estate. And uh, I just mentioned that, you know, I, that I was surprised the place was still open. But we drove there during the day and I was, I did not want to eat there. I thought it was like, you know, creature from the black lagoon was going to come <laughs> out of the swamp and eat all of us. And it just looked like the most dilapidated rundown place I'd ever seen. Still open to this day. I was surprised to find out. In fact, I just Googled it a little bit ago to make sure I still had the name right. Man, miraculous food. Just, it's one of the most memorable dining events I've ever had was eating at the Pelican Lodge. I mentioned it in comments and you said, yeah, I've been there. Yeah. Well, that's that's really interesting. And then you went on to say your folks might have known my folks. So that's my mom. Anyhow, so that's, that was pretty interesting. It's a small world. So, it is. Folks, I, give me one second. 734-822-1600. 734-822-1600. Go ahead, Jim. Sorry. It is a small world. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. You know, and again, going back to history, 150 years ago, to go from where I'm sitting in Texas to Colorado was a five-day trip by train. If you went by horse, it was almost a month. If you were on a cattle drive, it was three to four months. Cattle move slow. <laughs> Today, it's a two-hour trip by an airplane. Yeah, but you yeah, got to wait an hour and a half at each end, you know, so it's, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, again, and, and to bring that up, to mention that my wife knew the, knew the mom of some good friends of ours, a good friend of ours. Uh, are you guys still there? Oh, you stopped moving and I thought I lost the internet for a second, but uh, yep, she I'm knew, here. yeah, she knew Norma's mom and uh, Norma's mom traveled across the country in a, in a Conestoga wagon and saw a man land on the moon. That's America. Yeah. yeah. My grandmother went from the wagon to people landing on the moon. Both my grandmothers did. And I remember my maternal grandmother talking to my paternal grandmother, comparing notes of living in the 1800s and both of them said, yeah, we had two dresses. We had a Sunday go to meeting dress. We had one pair of shoes that we never wore except on Sunday. And we had one dress for the rest of the week. And our old home places are still in existence. Well, one of them is down in Louisiana. Has no closets in it. It was built in the 1870s. Why would you need a closet? <laughs> well, you didn't. You had an armoire. Well, for one, a closet counted as a room, so it was taxable. 
Oh, okay. But the armoire would fit everything you owned. You know, I mean, I can remember, you know, in the Navy and boot camp in the first few years of Navy, everything I had fit in a sea bag. Mm -hmm. And there are days that I really wish I could go back to that. Yeah, yeah. Because when you start trying to move, it gets expensive. Yeah. When I was stationed in Germany, we had we were in officers' quarters. That's we were in the old officers' quarters in Wiesbaden, and uh, they didn't have closets, but we had armoires like you're like you're speaking of, which is kind of an interesting way of doing it. You know, before the break, we were talking about you know the cleansing of literature, and it brought to mind that uh, the left, the liberals, at one time were upset with the. Uh, uh, going back in the revisionism of colorizing movies because it changed the original artist's intent. And yet now oh, they're yeah. taking, yeah. And now they're taking, and they're they're just changing words like, uh, what's the guy in 1984, um, Winston? You know, yes. his job was to rewrite history, to change history. That's 1984. That's exactly what we're seeing now. These books are history, and Winston's being told to change the names and terms. Is that right? Yep, that's exactly what's happening. And this is why, you know, and, and this leads into another whole area, but the thing is, if you have a paper copy of a book, a hardcover or a paperback, you have the original words. What you have on your phone or your computer or your tablet the Kindle can be changed at any time. Or it can be taken away from you at any time. You know, it's it's interesting you should say that because I got real upset at Kindle, well, at Amazon after what they did to um, that social, um, I forget what the social uh, media outfit that, that uh, Amazon kicked off their servers. I said, does it? I'm off Amazon. And I didn't realize I lost my whole Kindle library when I did that. Yeah, that was Parlor. Parlor, thank you. Man, Derek, you're just too fast. I appreciate yeah. you being here. Thank you. He's so got a computer good. in front of him that he can play with. Yeah, he's nice. He's sharp. So anyways, but please rant the, on. The other thing that we've, we've seen happen too is there was a Chinese, young Chinese lady who had a contract for three books. The first book got out, uh, was sent out to the advanced readers, and it got in the woke's hands. And they complained about the way she'd written the book. They said it was sexist and racist, even though it was about China. Well, that's what made it sexist and racist. I mean, come on, the Han people and how they feel yeah. about other cultures and how they feel about women. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Uber, I mean, I hate to. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm off the radio now. I just generalized. Yeah, but it. She literally got so fearful that she pulled the book back. That would not make them happy. They wanted her destroyed. And she ended up never publishing the book and losing a three-book contract. And that was thousands upon thousands of dollars that the Wokies cost her. And then they moved on to the next thing. You know, we've seen it with the writers' conventions, too. Uh, we just had one 
happen on the East Coast where, matter of fact, Larry Correa is going to be the guest of honor and a group of females in Virginia tried to get him removed as a guest of honor through innuendo and spacious allegations for past conduct. Wow. You know, and of course, when we pushed back on those people and said, give us specific accusations, we were at fault because we were rude and obnoxious to them. But yeah. we figured out what their playbook is. How'd you do that? But they keep what, doing the it? same thing. And what they cannot stand is pushback and the request for proof because they have none. Right, right. The same thing for the woke. You know, they're, and I'm not going to use the generalization of kids in a basement, but they are so inoculated in the, be, the believing that they are correct and everybody else is wrong. That yeah. anybody that counters them is a bad person. How do you have a conversation with somebody like that? They're, they're morally superior because of their knowledge. You know, I just realized that that is actually a type of, I don't know, you're familiar with the term Gnosticism that Paul yeah. used to battle in the New Testament. You know, yeah. you, what you know makes you moral. And you're like, yeah. well, what if everything you know is wrong? <laughs> and And we know in their case, it often is. But... Um, folks, once, once again, 734-822-1600, if you'd like to chime in about what we're talking about. Uh, my son just texted me. He says he's listening live, and that's a direct result of mind control, people self-censoring. And he's absolutely right. People are self, people self-censor. It goes back to that thing, like that audio clip I played right at the beginning of the show. I say we've come full circle. I certainly didn't plan it that way, but the goldfish on the table and everybody's told, don't move, don't do anything, don't talk, don't say anything, certainly don't help the goldfish. And the one woman throws it all away. She says, screw it, it's my soul yeah. or, or the goldfish. I'll take my soul, please. And uh, we need people who are willing to stand up, stand up and do battle for our culture, for our heritage. I didn't name this show, Your American Heritage, just because, uh, you know, it happened to be open in the dictionary and nobody else was using it at the moment. There's a lot of people using the name. This is all about retaining our heritage and what we can do to fight for it. I think primarily it's a spiritual battle because we really don't want to go to the mattresses. We really don't want to go to the mattresses. It's It would be ugly if we had to go to the mattresses. And to know what that means, I don't mean take a nap. You'd have to watch the first Godfather a couple times and know what I'm talking about. Yeah. 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 Well, and it's the same thing with writing, with what I write and a lot of my friends write. We're not playing the political game. We're not playing the PC correct game. We're writing the histories as they occurred based on our research. And our history is ugly. You know, it was not pretty on the frontier in the 1870s, 1880s. You know, the law was literally taken into their own hands in a lot of cases. Yeah. You know, Sam Colt made men and women equal when he 
uh, built the first six shooter. Yep. You know, and those got used. Let me ask you something. We had this conversation a while back with somebody else, and uh, might have been on the radio, but it was. Oh, Joe, Joe Leonard, uh, a guy, he's an author. He contributes, and I'm surprised he hasn't called in yet. Uh, but like Beetlejuice, I just mentioned his name, so he will. But uh, <laughs> there was a talk about the the Wild West, you know, and, oh, it was we were talking about guns, and, you know, oh, if people had guns, it'd be like the Wild West. And the Wild West was not the Wild West that we, you know, it wasn't a Sam Peckinpah movie, right? No. Or was it? It wasn't. It was not. Yeah. And why was that? Because it it was confrontation, direct confrontation. So your chance of living or dying was right there. You know, and if you thought you were faster than the other guy, you might have tried him. But if you didn't think you were as fast, you weren't going to try him because you were going to be dead. When you look at uh, Buffalo Bill being a good example. Buffalo Bill was shot by a guy in a card game. Mm-hmm. Aces and eights? Yeah, dead man's hand. Because he didn't have his hand on his gun, he was holding his cards. So the guy took advantage of that. But you go back and read the history of uh, Dodge City, Kansas. The gunfights were not as prevalent as everybody thought. Sure, there were people shooting off guns. But they weren't aiming at people. You know, it was the Cowboys' way of letting off pressure. And they yelled Allah, Allah, Allah Akbar too, right? Allahu Akbar. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I actually have a monograph from one of my neighbor's great-great-grandfathers who was a Texas Ranger in the 1880s in North Texas. And he talks about policing basically from Wichita all the way up to the tip of North Texas and Oklahoma. And he talks about one instance where he had to bring a prisoner from Mobini to Wichita for a murder trial. And he almost died on the trip because they got caught in a freak snowstorm in March. Oh, it's March, and we just had a freak snowstorm here, by the way. It's just, you should see my backyard, all the limbs down. And, and my neighbor, Mike, just texted me and said, power's back on. So, yeah, yeah, I've got that going for me. I don't have to run out for gas after we're done here. But the, the same thing occurred on the cattle drives. They lost people on the cattle drives in the middle of the summer to hailstorms. Mm-hmm. Killed you, by you hailstorms. You tell about that in your book, too, one of, yeah. one of your books, anyhow. Yeah. So, you know— while we're on the subject of of history and, and and this is this old west stuff this is part of our heritage maybe not my midwestern heritage you know I'm, and and my folks came from Poland and Ukraine so you know it's not really well, I didn't have any cowboy ancestors or anything like that but it's part of America's heritage and and you talk about that and certainly a lot of what happened in the on the frontier formed the American uh, mentality, so to speak, you know, I mean, because the, the frontier was moving the entire time America was being formed. So it was all oh, even even this area, Ypsilanti, Ann Arbor. I read books about how it was formed and it was a it was a frontier and there was stuff going on here that happened later in the West. 
Yeah. There's something about heritage. And my friend Dick Kupke in his show just a couple hours ago, Trigger Talk, he was talking about the passing on of one one rifle to another generation. This is this is the gun that my father used in, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or this is this is a replica of what he fought with in World War II. Or this mounted over the fireplace. This is what my great, great, great grandfather used in the Revolutionary War. There's a certain amount of heritage to that. And right now the left is trying to take away that that part of our heritage. They don't want us owning these guns. Exactly. I have my great great grandfather's 1873 Winchester and his 1892 Frontier Six. Oh man, I'm gonna have to come visit you sometime again. We met once before in Virginia, but uh, with Ada, yeah. But I've also got my grandfather's single action army from 1906 when he was a railroad engineer, and my cousin's got his 1886 Winchester. Well, you know, the Rod Stewart song, every every picture has a story. Well, every gun has a story for that matter, yeah. too. You know, I mean, that's 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 family history, and they want to take that away from you. Derek, what do we got? We got like a minute left or two minutes? Two minutes. So is there anything, once again, folks, this has been your American heritage. We're not quite done yet, but my guest has been Jail Curtis, Jim Curtis, and uh, author, his books can be found on Amazon, and uh, I think you should check out oldnfo.org. He occasionally posts stuff there that are snippets of what he's writing, and he asks for critique on them. So who can resist? And uh, yeah. do you have anything you want to say in closing? I'd just like to thank you for having me and giving us a chance to talk. Uh, you know, this is a different media than the blog or the Facebook or any other social media. And the reach is much greater. And what we need to do is to make sure that we do not lose sight of the conservative voices or conservative values that made the United States what it is today or what it was. Yes, and amen. And uh, uh, yeah, once again, your American heritage and, and we don't, they're trying to take it away. They're tearing down statues, they're tearing down laws, they're, they're removing words from books. They're trying to change history just like 1984. And uh, we cannot stand for that. And like the goldfish on the table, we've got to stand up, put it back in the bowl and say, I've had enough, you are not getting away with this. Folks, once again, my guest has been Jim Curtis. My producer has been Derek Stone, who's letting me go. It's time to shut up again. So thanks for joining us and come on back for your American heritage next week. God bless America. America, bless God.